I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hey, Natalie, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you? Good. Welcome to another episode of Lumber Singers. Thanks Long for being no with talkie. me. I know it's been a while. Well, it's been a while. I'm excited for today because I've recruited a couple of people from a recent trade show to be our next guests on today's show. Today, we have Niall Dry Kilns with us, uh, Jeremy Howard, the president of Niall Dry Kilns, and Hinko, the kiln drying specialist from Nile Dry Kilns. Hi, guys. Welcome hey, to the show. You? Thanks All for well. joining us. Thanks for to be you. here. Tell us where you're sitting right now. Where are you? Heiko, you go first. What's way more exciting? I'm currently in Colorado. The customer that has uh, bought a, an old kiln and they're busy retrofitting it. Uh, I'm here to inspect what they have and recommend the way forward for their kiln. I'm in Brewer, Maine, in my office on and the it, other side of the country. It's a good looking office, we might add. We're on Zoom doing this and, and we can see it. It's pretty, it's got some pretty cool technology going on in there. Yeah, we, we, I'm, it's pretty decked out, but it's, it's fun. That's a good time. It's awesome. Well, this is actually the first time we've ever had two guests on at once, isn't it, Natalie? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, we're stepping our game up. So we are. I think this is episode 13, too. And 13 is Natalie's lucky number. So it <laughs> it's gonna be a great episode. Great episode. So before we dive into some questions that we have about kiln drying, and we'd like to maybe just talk about your background and what you guys do over there at, at Nile. So I'll just go ahead and start with Henko. Could you give us a little bit on your background and experience and what you do over there? Well, the short version is. I studied wood science and industrial IT. I grew up in a sawmill. Um, I learned a lot from, from my parents going, growing up in a sawmill. I've been working in the kiln game for more than 20 years. I've been doing automation and kiln optimization for more than 20 years. So, yeah, that's the short version. And you're from where originally? I'm originally from South Africa. And uh, Niall recruited me about three years ago to come on board as, as their kiln specialist and to develop a service direction for Nile Dry Kilns, where we would not just sell kilns like traditional kiln companies do, but also enable the client to really get the best out of the product that they buy from us. Awesome. Yeah. And um, that's crazy how far, Jeremy, you had to go to recruit some talent. <laughs> so that leads me to Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's a pool full of talent, but we we found the right one. Uh, and we we did have to go quite a ways to find him, but it's been fantastic so far. So I started with Niall seventeen years ago, I think at this point, seventeen or sixteen years ago. Started out as the controls engineer, so I was doing all our kiln controls. At that point, Niall was really only doing lumber dryers and really only doing just the dehumidifier portion, which I believe you have a couple of at your location. And then approximately 10 or so years ago, we had a person come in and, and buy the company, saw the company for 
a different, you know, kind of in a different direction, saw some pieces that were missing and really helped us to scale up and develop kiln chambers. And I actually started out in sales from the aspect of selling controls to existing sawmills and which then transitioned into sales. And then as the company grew, it sort of made sense for me to fill this role. So here I am. How long have you been the president of Nile Dry Kilns? Three years. Awesome. How did you get into controls originally? Did you have background in that? Was a family member? (laughs) Uh, I started out, my degree is in software engineering. And my thought process when I was when I was younger, actually, I was I was bartending and selling real estate, and I ran a computer business. And so, my original plan was to move to Florida and run a bar and sell real estate in Florida. And this is with like half a degree at that point. And uh, my family wasn't as on board with that plan. And so I figured that I probably ought to try to find a job that that's more fitting for what I would plan to do or what I had gone through to college and which made actually a lot more sense. And so a contact that I had at the time said, Hey, this company in brewers hiring and you might really like it. It's, it sounds like it's really right up your alley. And so I went over and applied and I've been there ever since. Wow. Ne- never saw yourself in lumber by the sounds of it. <laughs> no idea. No, I had no clue. I actually didn't even know. I, I didn't really even know what Nile did or, I had no idea that lumber had to be dried. It, it didn't conceptualize in my head that that's a process that has to take place, right. um, let alone the detail in which it can be done successfully. So it was pretty cool. Uh, did I just cut off? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but you're just your your only your video. We heard your your voice. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it was really fun. I went into the interview. I actually looked up their website on the way in the door true story and kind of just swung for it and got the job. And one thing I noticed about the lumber industry early on is that a lot of the tech was like really far behind the rest of the world, like everywhere that I saw. So it felt like a really fun opportunity for me to take my knowledge base. And, you know, I was really young in the industry at the time too. And, and to go in and, and meet people around the world. And I got to travel like right off the bat. I think I got sent to Mexico the first three months I was in Nile. And so I have a thing now where when I'm traveling, I try to go see all the NFL stadiums. So in there's places where there's sawmills that you usually at least fly into that town. So I always try to take a tour of whatever the closest stadium is when I'm in town and, and uh, just, just to check it out and say that I've been there and that kind of thing. But you know, the sawmills are not anywhere near those towns, but you have to come back through there to get on an airplane. So sawmills are in the middle of nowhere. How many do you have left? I think at this point, there's a couple of that have been built that I haven't seen, but I think I'm at, I think I have 10 left. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've hit a lot. I had a lot of them. Henko, do you have anything that you go see when you're traveling all over the place? I try to get at least a local beer in every state where I go. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Hey, you're in the, you're in Coors country in Colorado. You better go to Coors. I will go and try and see them. We still, I've still got a, a day and a half left here in Colorado, so okay. I'll definitely, I'll definitely make a plan to go and see one or two breweries on my way back to the airport. You should, you should. Yeah. Now, awesome. I, you know, for me, every state I go to normally is 
well, it used to be a first time for every state. Now this is the first time I'm in Colorado. And every time it's it's a completely new experience, you know. You soak up every single thing from the views to just the way the people drive, to the way the people <laughs> talk. And you have to really re rethink how you speak to people because not that the language is a barrier, but I mean every state has its own accent and their own way of speaking about things and, and, and naming things. So, you know, I'm just soaking up the whole of the USA as I'm traveling along. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just laugh when you say their own way of driving because our friend Chelsea here, she also has her own way of driving. Well, I grew up driving in Colorado and we're very aggressive. Like, get out of the left lane or you're going to get hit by my car behind you. So even if you're going 95, you're still not going fast enough in the left lane. If there's somebody behind you, get over. We understand that in Colorado. We don't understand that in Oregon. We go 55. That's the lane. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, there's someone behind me. I should probably get. <laughs> oh, they're going to go around me. I'll just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's if your do dad's this. listening right now, he's going to be so mad at me. Uh, my dad? Yes. Because <laughs> you're part of the problem. <laughs> um, well, let's get, into the, let's get into the good stuff. Let's talk about what you guys do over there at Nile. Okay, I might slip during the show, but I've called you guys Nile for <laughs> as long as I've known about your company. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like to say Nile. I say Nile in my head. I know it's Nile. I'm going to do my best on this podcast to keep my mouth straight. Nile. <laughs> Nile. So first of all, what are you guys known for at Nile? Let's get into that. Well, the history of the company is completely based on dehumidification kilns. So they, the product line was, one of the co-founders was a work for a compressor or an air conditioning company, carrier compressor. And so he was targeted by the University of Maine to help develop a kiln dryer, maybe using a refrigeration system. And so there were a couple other players out there in the industry at the time. And so he developed the version that, that became our sort of bread and butter and what we're really known for now. And he did it with a, a couple of differences that allowed our dryers to function in higher temperatures and kilns. And the other manufacturers that were doing dehumidifiers at the time never got to that point. So a lot of them went out of business. So Niall's been in business since 1977. And, and pretty much just has always built dehumidifiers. What probably, like if you just said, hey, what are you, what are you the most well-known for? I'd say that. What we're trying to push now, and especially with bringing Hanko on board and, and doing some different things with our controls is, is really, we'd like to be known for not just that market, but we have some other products that sort of fill that role as well for other kiln manufacturers stuff, or even, even somebody else's equipment or you know older kilns that are out there. So, you know, what we'd like to be known for is, is being the most energy efficient kiln company in North America. That would, that's, that's, our, that's our target. That's our stretch goal. So what percent would you say of your business is new kilns going in versus what Henco is doing right now and retrofitting an old kiln? 90% is new business for sure. Well, there's definitely a service and support target area that we've, we've been doing a lot of additional business on, you know, even existing customers that we had that, you know, had our equipment for years, we were kind of circling back around and just saying, Hey, look, let's look at your process and see what we can do to improve it and see if we can, you know, get more wood out of your kilns. And the end of the year, that adds up pretty quick. If we can add an extra turn or two, and we're looking at other people's equipment and just saying, Hey, let's look at your process and see how we can help. And 
Hank was really good at jumping on and looking at equipment and saying, I can improve this by 10%. And so as that's sort of ramping up, I can, I can see that being a, a larger part of our business and then in hopes that it drives new sales to you. So like, you know, if I fix your kiln and I take your equipment and turn it into a Corvette, you know, maybe you'll buy the next car from us too. So I think that's kind of where we're headed. That makes sense. It's like, oh, you guys were awesome to work with and surprise, we need a new kiln. So we're yeah. going to reach out to you first. Uh, very yeah. often in, in industry, when people call you to say, listen, we need drying capacity. Traditionally, a lot of manufacturers uh, would just sell a new kiln and the next thing they would need is a new boiler. And the way I look at it and the way we look at it from my side is to say, listen, let's, let's get what you have to perform the way it should. Maybe we save you the capex of having to buy a new boiler and instead add one of our highly efficient kilns into your, into your next system. So that's, that's more or less my take on that. Makes sense. So do you only do dehumidification kilns? No, it's, we have a full line at this point. We, when I first started here, we were building some pallet, pallet kilns. Then we had this like whole package that used an indirect gas-fired furnace. And one of the things when we transitioned to doing our own dry kilns is that we incorporated that tech and, and we're using a indirect gas-fired furnaces on our kilns too. So we do steam kilns, hot water kilns, track kilns, high temp kilns, everything at this point. And they can use DH or not. And it, it, the best part about it, honestly, is I used to have to go into these sales pitches as like a young 30-year-old and compete against guys that have been in the industry for a long period of time. And I used to have to say, okay, well, this, this is what I have. It's DH and you can use it. And the competition was always like, well, you know, either they were stuck on it. Hey, it doesn't dry as fast or you can't do this. You can't do that. And I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have any tools to say, no, you know, it really does. It's just me arguing with that point. And so once we incorporated the indirect gas fired systems, and then also said, Hey, we'll build steam kills too. You know, we can do, do anything you need to. Now I can actually do an apples to apples comparison. So if you want a steam kiln, I'll coach you steam kiln, but I can also show you what a TH kiln would cost. Plus I can tell you, I mean, I have a spreadsheet that, that throws some serious numbers, but I can tell you how much it's going to cost you to dry as well. And then you can make the call. Like what's good. What's going to make more sense for your business. If, if you're in an area where your electric rates are fairly decent and your gas prices might be higher, or, you know, it, you might have emissions, you know, restrictions on getting another boiler, DH might be a perfect example. We sell out of our new units, I think almost 50% of them are, are what we call in a hybrid unit, which is a dehumidifier with a gas preheat or a steam coil of preheat. So they'll use their existing equipment. Then maybe they didn't have enough steam capacity to add additional kilns on, but they can use the dehumidifier with what steam capacity they do have to preheat the kiln and put the energy in the kiln, and then they can use the DH to dry. So okay. it's, it's gave me a lot of flexibility. First of all, I'm really excited that I now can use DH instead of dehumidification because it's so oh, hard yeah. to say. So thank you for that. Lots of syllables. No, no problem. <laughs> and secondly, you know, if you, I don't, you probably can't compare, they're probably not apples to apples, but price point, you know, a steam kiln versus a DH kiln, are they comparable, you know, excluding the utilities or DQ or all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, so this is actually a really fun conversation because if you were to say, Hey, I want to put in three new kilns and you don't have a boiler at all, I could sell you a DH kiln and save you a ton of money. 
because the investment, so if kilns, side-by-side kiln, the investment with a DH kiln with preheat steam coils versus a straight kiln with just steam coils is about 10% more for the one that has the dehumidifier. It's not a big jump. And so if you look at the steam kiln, well, I also need a boiler and the boiler's 100 to a million, 2 million or whatever, whatever the, the whole feed system ends up being. And you know, if you don't have a market to get rid of sawdust and chips or whatever the case, that might be the route you have to take anyways, because you, you know, because otherwise you're paying to get rid of fuel. But if there's any market to get rid of the sawdust and the chips and do something else with it, then putting in the boiler is like, that's a pretty big investment for something that you also have to like stand there and watch 24 hours a day. Or in the case that it's smaller and you don't, it's still a lot of maintenance costs with chemical upkeep. So there's some cases like, hey, well, I'll pitch a boiler if it makes perfect sense to the customer. But again, because of the flexibility, and the price really gets less expensive to go with, with a dehumidifier so long as you don't have that need to get rid of stuff. So. A dehumidifier is traditionally, in, from my point of view, and this is the narrative that was run in industry, DH kilns are slow and they cannot dry fast enough and they dry patchy and all that. Even I had that misconception in my mind before I joined now. But since I've joined now, and seen what the stuff can do firsthand and experience all the, the advantages of it. I've gone to a point where I've sent a few DH units back to Africa to say, hey, let's put this in and see how it works. And it's, you know, it's 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 really an eye-opener to understand the technology and from and sell it from an understanding point of view with all its its um, its advantages. You know, DH is the way of the future. You know, to make fire, to to generate uh, energy, to dry timber, is going to become smaller and smaller into the future. Would you say the misconception of DH kiln, you know, drying patchy or what other defects were coming out, is mostly user error or lack of understanding of how to efficiently run that kiln? It's both. I think it's both. You know, your biggest mistakes that you can do in kilns is your three, is your basics the stacking, loading, and baffling it correctly. And if you do those three right, everything you do further is easier. You know, it's like it's like playing golf. The purpose of, of your next shot, of your current shot, is to make your next shot easier. <laughs> and though it doesn't always work that way. Um, <laughs> Not with me. <laughs> in, in kiln drying, or in, in the sawmill industry, it's the same. The better you dry your timber, the easier it is further down line to get a better product out. The better you saw, the better you can dry, the better product you have in the end. Hmm. It's the same with, with any kiln drying process. You know, once you have the understanding of why you do things and not just read it off the wall because the previous operator said that's what we should do, it immediately turns on that, you know, that that light moment, oh, that aha moment, and the people understand it better. And once they understand it better, they apply it better and it works better. That's a very good way to put it. Every piece, every part of the process matters, you know. That brings me to kind of the next conversation we, we were touching on a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you're visiting mills and you're visiting customers who have kilns and you're working with kiln operators at each location, I'm assuming. Are you finding that there's a, a newer generation coming in to these positions? And is there a learning curve there and how are they training up the next generation? I see very often new guys coming in, which is very good. I've 
come across a few young guys that are really very good. Um, I think as in the rest of the industry, the younger generation that comes through are addicted to their cell phones or addicted to computer screens instead of getting up and going and looking why something is not happening or happening correctly or incorrectly in the kilns. There's a bit of a, I'm thinking of the right word, there's a disconnect between how to learn the process and what the outcome should be. Maybe we must re-edit this a little bit later. I'm trying to think of the right word. Jeremy, well, you can jump in a little bit and help me here. I'm starting to run out of English. Predict <laughs> the process versus what the outcome. Well, so I think that in a lot of cases, the when I first started, the industry was much, much older to the point where I was by far at trade shows or in a lot of different scenarios, easily the youngest person in the room for a couple of years, for sure. And that really started to change. And you can see it because lots of, a lot of these sawmills are family owned businesses, you know, and, and for one way or another, there's, there's younger people that are getting into the industry. And so, you know, those are easier relationships for me to establish than some of the older ones. Eventually, you know, we made some breakthrough there. But I think that when you go into a kiln scenario, lots of times there's there's this writing on the wall from an older kiln operator and people just sort of trickle in. And even even though it's younger people, they're a lot more open to the tech possibilities that you can provide. So the, the, the solutions that I've always wanted to incorporate were like impossible to make happen because people, as soon as you said it's computer controlled, no matter what it was, it was like, oh, you know, we don't want, it's, a, it's a dry kiln. We, we're used to there's a chart with a pen and stuff and they, they liked all the mechanical arms running around. So, <laughs> so as newer people came in, even though they didn't necessarily understand completely what they were doing, they were still following a chart, but they're a lot more open to the tech and the possibilities of making change. So we do have, like Hank said, there's a lot of great younger kiln operators. There's also a lot of kiln operators there that don't have an understanding and, and don't necessarily want to figure out how it works. The benefit of an older kiln operator, typically when they first jumped into a job, they're all hands on deck and there is less distraction going on. So it's a mix. It's it's fun either way. The owners are younger too now. So the bottom line results and then having it show on your cell phone is attractive. So there's there's pros and cons to that whole situation. Is Niall, I don't think I answered any part of that question, by the way. Is Niall doing anything to address the transfer of knowledge since you have boots on the ground, visiting mills? Henco obviously has eyes on the customer point of view. Yeah. I, I mean, so one of the pieces that Henko really brings to the table for us is the on-site training. And so one of the, the identifiers that we recognize is we pretty big effort in the past three years to jump into any of the educational environments that are available, whether it's, you know, universities or colleges or whatever that are across the country that are doing something specifically with the forestry industry and, and tackle dry kilns. We've either, you know, tried to make donations or we've actually taken part in some of their classes and, and taught some of the portions of the dry kiln class. And so doing that was step one. But what I realized is that those classes are just this, they're the same and nothing against any of these facilities, you know, establishments or whatever, but they're the same and they're, they're tuned to making sure that they give a baseline knowledge and even some of the experts in the industry do the same thing. It's like you go and see a talk. It's the same talk I saw three months ago and, you know, great, you know, but what I realized is that the people that are attending those take home probably 10% of what they heard. And 
it doesn't really, you know, and even the 10% that they heard may not really apply to their facilities because every facility is different. Every facility has their own set of problems and their own set of things that they do very well. So having Hanko be able to go to a facility and say, okay, you know, we're going to provide you training, but we're going to customize the entire training to what you're doing. You know, you know, you might have, you might specialize in premium lumber. And so quality is extremely important for you. It's not necessarily, I don't have to get you an extra load every year, but if I made that a little bit better, like we can tailor our entire process of training you, your kiln operator, and the three people that your kiln operator utilizes to manage the kilns and make sure that everybody's on the same page. And you might go into a spot that the, the owner's like, I need to reduce the cost of drying because these things are costing me a fortune. And, you know, how do, how do I make that happen? And, you know, we'll target that. These are the things that you need to do to make these kilns more energy efficient and cost you less money when you dry. So, but Hanko could do all that. So, He's actually been training me and and some of our other staff on how to go through that process so that we can all be involved in it as a team. But he does a great job going in and making that work. Awesome. Awesome. I just think it's cool that I could potentially someday walk around and have all that information on my cell phone and just be like, yeah. And even obviously, I don't know, I'm not a kiln operator, but enough to know like, oh, this is what's happening right now. This is what loads in here. I think that's really cool. And you make a good point that the younger generation is definitely willing to accept that. That's what they want. That's what they're going to expect at some point. And so matching up, you know, where you guys are at in the technology that you provide versus the young people, you know, getting into the industry and more experience. I think you guys are positioned in a really good spot for that. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question. Is there any new exciting technology, let's say in the next five years happening in the kiln drying space? that would you could talk about uh so we do have a couple of cool products coming out um, i can talk about them a little bit but i can't go too too far into it they are control based i think they're really going to change i think they're going to really change how kiln drying works in general and i think that uh hanko may have talked to denny a little bit about this too but ultimately the world is going to to an iot outcome based reality in that what we're everybody is really trying to achieve is is a particular outcome for their product and they don't necessarily need to know how it gets there but that's ultimately the direction that they need to go in and because iot is is so prevalent and available and the information that you can you can look at every information is available in, in ways that you weren't able to look at it before and because of that it allows you to make decisions. So small example is the way kilns typically were run was either with a a time-based schedule or a moisture-based schedule. And the decisions to make a change based on that, that very small criteria of input was done usually maybe once a day, maybe, maybe twice a day, if there's a really good kiln operator. And so you're really only making a change every 12 hours in a kiln cycle that might take 30 days. And so there's not many changes that take place during that time period. If you can take data and feed it into a system that can instead look at and take all of the data and feed it into a system and you have more variables to go by, let's just say you could really easily create a system that can make changes on a per second basis. And by making those changes on a per second basis, you're easily able to change the process in which you're controlling a kiln 
you know, in ways that we've never been able to do before. And so baseline stuff will be coming out with some reporting tools this year, probably by the first of, first of next year. And then from that, we have a platform that we're going to build off. That's, that's going to be pretty exciting. I can tell you the cool. name of it, but I can't, I can't, I can't really go in. It's called Kilnbot. Kiln. Kiln. Kilnbot? Yeah. Like oh, robot. And, like and then one thing you said, IoT, what is that? What does IoT stand for? It's the Internet of Things. Internet of Things. Okay. Yeah. Think about all the things that are connected in your house to the internet. One way or another, you set up a ring camera, or you set up a you know, coffee maker or fridge. I don't have a coffee maker or fridge at my house, but we have ring cameras and all those little <laughs> thermostat, all those little devices that are connected are all feeding to the internet and they're all going somewhere. And, and these systems don't always talk together. But if they did, for instance, if you had a, I don't know, dry kiln company and you wanted all your dry kilns to like go in the cloud and all talk to each other. So, you know, what everything's, everything's going on. And, and then you can start to feed information to the cloud that you've never been able to send to the cloud before. You can do a lot of different things when you can see it. It allows you to uh, advance the, the platform in that we were, you were sort of always stuck within these confines. And once the, once the walls are removed, it allows for a lot of flexibility and control. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie Smart House on Disney? No, but yeah, I have. <laughs> Pretty soon the kiln will tell you how to run it. You won't <laughs> tell the kiln what to do. Well, it's it's interesting. There's, you know, I'm, I like I said, so obviously my background's in control. So I get a little bit, Hank will tell you, I get a little too excited about stuff like this sometimes. But like there's an opportunity to, my thermostat detects motion in my house. And the reason it does that is because it, it tunes in the temperature settings of the house. So when people get home and happen to walk by it, it changes the temp settings. Well, so you can also feed that information to my lights in my office and the thermostat happens to be my office. So now I can, if I walk into the office, it'll actually take the data from the thermostat motion detection and turn my lights on <laughs> because for some reason I needed to do that. I don't know. But, so, <laughs> but, but you can do it. Because it's it's on the cloud at this point. I think in the end with with IoT, it's just about having a lot more information available, and then giving it some parameters to be able to make decisions based on the information that you get. And even still now, kiln drying, you don't have all the information, and you need the human being to analyze it and then make a decision. And uh, without letting the whole cat out of the bag, we are working on that. Awesome. That's really cool. That's really exciting. exciting. And it's a good place for us to do our rapid fire. So people are jacked up about the future and leave them hanging until, until next year. Until it yes. comes out. <laughs> Maybe we can have you guys uh, on the podcast when you debut your product. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah, be, be fun. fun. All fun. right. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Jeremy, you go first. And then Henko, you go. Great. All right. What's the last book you read? Oh, time out. Time out. How <laughs> rapid does this need to be? I mean, he's got like seven books on his desk. <laughs> the lean turnaround. What's wow. it called? The lean turnaround? Spoken oh, man. like a true president. You are a nerd. <laughs> All right, Henko. <laughs> uh, the consultant next door. The consultant next door. Is that a fiction book or a business book? It's a business book. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Right. Okay. What's the most recent thing you learned within the industry? Oh my goodness. This is, these are good. I don't know. Uh, I did just learn something yesterday too. And I can't remember what, I don't know. 
I can't write it down. <laughs> and then it goes away. I learned that I can't remember shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can you can noodle. Uh, skip me. This is awful. <laughs> we need a that's, button like a skip hey, button. That's the beauty of having two people on this one because you can shit. say pass. Echo, yeah. feel free to answer my questions for me. At every site, you always learn something new, even if it's just the way somebody sharpens a saw blade or the way they sort the timber or the way they plan the loading of the kilns. The last site I was, I'm not going to say in which millet was, I realized how little people realize the true value of very good insulation in the kilns. This is a bad one. I don't like to say it, but that's how it is. <laughs> it's very on theme. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Jeremy, you can do I'm this depressed one. I have now. faith, God, I have faith give me in some you. Easy ones. <laughs> okay. Describe the lumber industry in one word. Family. Good. Aww. Good job. That was a good one. And Hinko. Jeremy, that also was too quick. I couldn't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think family is a good answer. I'll second that one, Jeremy. That's a good answer. That's family. fair. Yeah. You can second. We'll allow it. <laughs> okay. And the very last question. What's your favorite thing about the industry? I, uh, man, I've met so many cool people. I, that's probably my favorite. I've been so many places that I never, ever would have been able to go to personally. And the, the people that I've met along the way, whether companions that trade shows or customers at sawmills or the whole camaraderie or, or the, the fight to get a sale and the, and the conversations that take place that that part is what I enjoy the most. It's the, I guess the community of it. It's, it's really cool for sure. Awesome. I love it. The favorite thing in the industry, there's not one answer to this question. To me, my favorite thing is, is when you get very good positive feedback after you've been working with a guy, you've taken him through the whole process of why he should be doing certain things. You've implemented the solution. You've discussed the whole thing. You go on site, you do it, you do the training. And it's three months later down the line, you get a call from a grader or a boiler operator saying, you know, since you've implemented this solution, we don't have to work that hard at the boiler anymore. The grading has become easier. The Planar blades last longer because the timber is just less case hardened. That's the type of things I like, the positive feedback from industry. And you get a lot of it. That's a great answer. Very inspiring, actually. Yes. <laughs> Heartwarming. It was. <laughs> what, Jeremy? Oh, <laughs> I said all. Oh. Henko and Jeremy, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today and letting us learn a little bit more about your company and what you do. And while we were talking, I thought of a, a little slogan for your company because you guys are so forward thinking. So if you're not drying with Nile, you're going out of style. Ooh. You oh. can use it if you oh. want. What? <laughs> <laughs> you that, yeah. That's you make that's it a bad. You make it a t-shirt. I want one. <laughs> we're going to show you up. Know, so I will make it a t-shirt. <laughs> and, and so now that you know it's not Nile, it was easier to rhyme that. Yeah. <laughs> Right? You're not going out of styly. Styly. <laughs> That's why I haven't come up with it yet. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Uh, all awesome. right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much thank for being here. Thank you so much. Today.
And we look forward Thank to talking you. to you soon. Have a good day. Nice seeing you. Bye, guys. Nice seeing you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.